This is the Warm Springs program on KWSO. Confederated Tribes of Warm Springs Enterprise Updates were provided in all three districts in August. Information fairs were open to folks to come learn about each enterprise and the current and future projects they were working on. Jim Sowers, CEO of Warm Springs Economic Development Corporation and Kanita Resort, gave an update on the reopening of the Kanita Village. The swimming area will have a total of seven pools when the village opens next year. Basically, there's going to be a kids section that's going to have a dedicated hot springs pool for the adults and their children, and then a a zero-depth entry pool for the children with some toy structures that dump water on them and spray water on them. Uh, In the middle section of the the old pool, which was the Olympic-sized pool, that's going to be another recreational pools. That's going to have a lazy river around the pool, and that's where the water flows and you kind of drift or float around. In the center of that, there's another pool, and that'll have a volleyball net and basket. You know, it's kind of a play area where uh, the water is, you know, just a normal pool area. So that's the middle section pool. It's probably the largest pool. And then where the deep end used to be, uh, we're going to have three large-scale, 100% natural hot springs water soaking for the first time on the property. And those three pools will be one very large pool that's going to range, I think, somewhere between, we can vary it, 92 to 94, 96 degrees. Then there'll be two smaller pools. They will have a a kind of a bubbly water uh, experience, but they'll also be at hotter temperatures. So one's going to go up to uh, 96 to 98. Uh, And then the last pool will have, can go up to 102. So you can experience the natural hot springs water at a varying temperature. In addition to that, we're taking a technology that was in, really developed in Japan uh, some 70 years of taking really small oxygen bubbles. They're actually a nano, just you can't even see the bubble. We're inserting those bubbles into the hot springs water and that has been recognized of having a wellness factor for people that soak in that water just that it, that in itself. So we're, we believe we're enhancing actually the natural hot springs experience by that. And the oxygen, the, your skin feels different. Um, it's actually something that kills germs and that type of thing. So those are the pools. You're gonna see the decking around the pools is even larger. Um, you're gonna see 15, what we call them cabanas, where there'll be a couch, a refrigerator where you can hang out and see um, those will be for customers that want to um, rent those. The importance of having a hot springs soaking is now we think more people are going to want to come during the winter. Two areas reserved for tribal member use are undergoing remodels as well, including the tribal bathhouse. It has natural hot springs water going to it, but it wasn't in a usable condition. So we're remodeling that, and that's dedicated to the tribal members, just as it always has been. Um, They'll be the only ones that will have access to it. And then there's the kind of the uh, upper deck, what I call picnicking area, that's roofed in tables, that's going to be an area that we're going to allow the tribal members to reserve. And they're the only ones that will be able to bring their own food into the resort in that picnic kind of area. Um, Now that we're going to have a restaurant and food services on the property, everyone else is going to have to get their food um, through the restaurant or the food services. 
I guess, outside of the campers or RV guys who bring it in their RV. The RV park will not have an extensive remodel, but improvements will be made. 50 RV sites are functional. They've got power, water, and the, the waste set up. We're going to you know, get the landscaping back up, so those are usable. A little road improvement. The thing that we're adding is RV parks now will have dry camps or dry, dry RV spots. So a camper that doesn't need power, water, it's mainly they use it for sleeping quarters. So if a group, group's traveling together and they got three campers are all going together, a lot of times they'll stick the kids maybe in a camper over here and they don't need all the services, it's just kind of sleeping quarters. So we're going to add about 15 to 20 of those spots for people to have a place where they just park their unit and they don't need those services. June 2024 is the target date for the grand opening. A soft opening is you open it prior to that, experience it, you know, kind of get all the kinks out of it, make sure it's working. So, um, you know, we will do something, but it will be less than the grand opening. That's the intent. That's normally how you bring something back up. Any other soft opening we might have just depends on the right time and the right partner if there's some something to do. But um, we're really focused on that. And um, next summer, uh, June, is the targeted opening for grand opening. Ben Bisland gave this update on Warm Springs construction. I've been full-time with the company for a little over a year. Prior to that, I was with Economic Development, kind of the, uh, the parent of Warm Springs construction. We primarily do work on the reservation. A lot of it has to do with 638 roads, uh, putting in sidewalks, reconditioning, and resurfacing the roads in the communities. Uh, we've got a housing crew uh, that does a lot of remodel work on the commercial side. Uh, we began building new stick homes as well. Uh, we've got two slated for this year. The crew is made up of about 22 employees, 90% of which are all tribal members or MITs. So it's a, a good employment resource for the, the local community. Slated for this year. It's late in the year still, but we're trying to get things rolling. 2023, uh, we're currently working on a quail trail resurfacing between uh, Tenino up to Bear Drive, run along in front of utilities there. So we'll resurface that road, add in pedestrian access, um, as well as street lights. If you've driven up Route 3 up towards the industrial park, you've probably seen the solar-powered street lights. So that's something that we're implementing to try to reduce the cost to tribal government as they currently pay. 1500 bucks, $2,000 a year, I think, per streetlight for the reservation, times 2,500 streetlights, puts a dent in their budget. So uh, moving to solar, we're hoping to reduce that over time. Call out to Kathy with Power & Water. She helped write a grant for ODOT for about $2 million. Uh, I think we're waiting to hear on to do, I think probably another 150 streetlights throughout the agency area. Uh, slated for probably next month, uh, we're going to chip seal Route 3 from Sunnyside Drive down past the Warm Springs River. It'll kind of finish off that section after we paved uh, from 26 up to Sunnyside last year. We also have the uh, Park Place project um, off of Hollywood, or the dips uh, for the locals. Uh, and that's in partnership with Warm Springs Housing. Um, they're doing all the the vertical construction there uh, completed the utilities, so we should be following up shortly. Uh, get in the finish off the road, put in curb and sidewalk on this last phase as well as the prior phase. Slated for the next couple of years, I'll be after some feedback on new projects. 
mostly it's we operate off of a long-range transportation plan uh, that was created in 2014. Uh, we've exhausted 90 plus percent of the projects that were identified. The tribe has been without a planner for five years now, so we've kind of been taking on the duties to keep the 638 projects running on that half. So uh, any feedback uh, deficiencies in the road infrastructure system that you guys see, improvements you'd like to see, uh, please let us know and we can start trying to plan those into the, the process with the Transportation Committee and Tribal Council's approval. Joe Jensen and Austin Zenner provided information on the cannabis facility at the Tribal Farm and the possibilities for the future of the Cannabis Project Enterprise in Warm Springs. A one-acre facility that we fenced in, it features uh, four greenhouses. Two of the greenhouses will be for nursery and then the other two will be flowering. And um, we're hoping to have a license and have plants within the next couple months and have a crop ready by the end of the year. Um, we've been building for about six months, starting in February, and uh, we've trenched a 2,700-foot line to the river, another 600-foot line up to where we get electricity, and we've done all the trenching for the facility. Um, Put a 10,000-pound uh, electrical bolt in the ground. Uh, we've got uh, five uh, shipping containers that we're going to use for drying, four of them, and then one of them is for storage. And then we've got an office facility that we've also put on the property. The systems for the greenhouses, we'll be using supplemental light with the actual sunlight. So that way we can have multiple harvests harvest throughout the season. We're hoping to grow about 260 pounds a month that will go into the state market for sale. At first, we'll be doing that as a wholesale with the eventual goal to attain our own dispensaries and sell our own, sell our own stores. We're just finishing framing uh, the end walls for the greenhouses. Um, we're gonna be pulling plastic in the next week or two. We're waiting on the power to be finalized. All the lines have been ran and hooked up. Um, it's just something that has to go through utilities and then we'll have full power and then we can start putting lights in. Um, we have water, a pump that still needs to get installed. All the lines are in the ground, just the pump goes in and then we're pretty much live. So we're kind of trying to just button it all up to sustain plants. Um, can't really bring plants until we have all the things to keep them alive. And then yeah, we're real hopeful to have a, a crop this year. Um, we want to, like Joe said, we're going to enter the organ market I got brought into this, what, nine months ago? So, uh, yeah, we started six months ago. So, I'm, And we're just three guys. Uh, I think we have two employees other than us right now. Our, uh, on our model, our um, target price, or our low end price is $300 a pound. We are hoping to do much better than that. We're hoping to do 1,000, yeah, 1,000 to 1,500 a pound. But if we have our own dispensaries, and you're selling it by the gram and ounce and stuff like that, you're talking closer to $3,000 a pound. So getting our own dispensary is very important for us going forward. There, there needs to be a referendum and some other things that um, go through if we're going to have on-reservation sales. And uh, finding a place off-reservation is a challenge because they have a moratorium on the stores. So We're hopeful that in time we get into processing, too. Um, at first, we're going to farm that out. We'll, send, we'll subcontract out extraction and 
concentrates can be put in, made into like edibles or other products. Um, but in time, that's where the job creation really is, is in the extraction and in making other products. So um, I think the lease has a lot of space uh, for expansion. So this is really just to kickstart everything, but the hope is that in time this grows into something that employs a lot more people than just eight and uh, produces more than 260 pounds a month. And we're also hopeful that in the near future there might be some type of federal legalization and that's going to open up the sales a lot. Yeah, and our whole model here is to start small, given the saturation on the state market. So we're going to dip our feet into it and get it going and then expand as we go and as, as we need. These, these greenhouses, um, they're going to be equipped with lighting. And so Joe touched on that. We're going to utilize the sun, but we're also going to be able to utilize supplemental lighting, which in the cannabis industry with the plants, it gives that, that edge, that competitive edge that makes it a better higher-end product. So we're not necessarily competing with everybody that grows sun-grown outdoor cannabis. We're competing with a higher tier, a higher quality of, of finished product. So, yeah, it's more closely related to an indoor look. Tim York with Warm Springs Telecom addressed problems customers have experienced with network services and what they can expect in the future. To be honest, uh, it's, it's been bad. Uh, just over a year ago, we lost the major component of uh, the switch in our, uh, in our organization and um, it, unfortunately, it was a uh, $400,000 piece of equipment, and uh, what do you do? So I uh, asked tribal council, we did get some money, which was awesome, that helped us move forward, but we had to figure out a different path forward. We, we've got the new Redcom switch installed, it's up and running. Uh, I sent three people through classes, they just finished, all of them passed the flying colors, they got their certificates, so beginning next week we're going to start moving our business customers, we're asking the flock to come home and uh, get our business customers back on the new switch. We're going to be methodical about this, we're just going to do one department at a time. We're going to go in hopefully with new or newer phones, because a lot of the problems in the past with some of the folks' phones were so old that that was the problem. It was an end-of-life phone. It was 20 years old. We, we can't do anything with it. You're going to maybe it'll be scratchy and everything. So the last thing I want to do is everything we've been through to put this new switch in is to give someone a scratchy line. So that's not going to happen. So we will get you a new phone somehow, however we have to do that. But that instrument can't, you know, reflect on our network. So that's good news. That's going in um, starting next week. Um, I've got a, a new fellow helping with that. All the phones we want to put in everywhere will be a phone we can remotely work on. <clears throat> no one will any longer have to bring in a box of phones or anything like that. We will be able to go to your phone, do the updates, change numbers, change ring frequency, whatever we got to do remotely. So hopefully no more truck rolls for us and no more waiting on your part. I've, I've been trying to go out and find all the grants I can. The problem we face is a, a lot of these grants are matching funds. So sure, I can go out and get $5 million, but with a 25% matching fee, we, we, we can't swing that. I, I don't have the, we don't have the funds to do that. So we have to be very specific, and the grants we go for have to be no matching funds. 
A couple years ago, we did get the 2.5 gigahertz system out of the FCC. That was about a $2 million um, grant, as it was. That's up and running now. We had to rebuild pretty much every tower, put in new powering, new racking to accommodate this new system. However, the new system, the folks that are on it are getting 50 MIPS, 80 MIPS, 100 MIPS. Currently, most of you are getting four, five. Uh, generally speaking, residential. Businesses, all of our businesses are on fiber, and whether they know it or not, we can give them all one gig. No one's asked. And then I got a second grant, uh, was half a million dollars that allowed us to buy all new central office equipment, so we updated the CO equipment. Total right now is about 40 million grants that I've written. Um, so far, about 12 million has come back to us. So the the one right now that we're working on is the NTIA Tribal Broadband Grant. That will put fiber to every home and agency, West Hills, Sunnyside, Tommy Street. Um, I'm also trying to get a fiber from our vault at Canada down to the villages. I mean, we have a wireless link right now, but that's only as good as, of course, the power at Canada and different, different variables, which scares the heck out of me. I'd like to get a fiber down there. So we're going to keep writing grants for um, as, as long as we can. I just found out that the new bead grants that are available, the state has the ability to waive those matching funds. They didn't tell me that. I found out, so now I'm going after those grants. In the Warm Springs Timber Company's update, Brian Prater covered timber sales, past, present, and future, and discussed the annual allowable cut. The AACs have slowly been coming down over time, especially after the Lion's Head fire. There was a lot of wood burned up in that fire. So there was a lot of logging activity in 2021 to salvage that. A little bit more in 2022 or on the tail end of the lion's head. And then we stepped into the Willow Summit timber sale. And our timber sales are usually encompass entire drainages, so they're quite large. But there's 30 or 40 units in that sale. Warm Springs Timber, we have a staff of three. We're all senior. We, just the three of us have got 100 years of experience in the business. We're looking for help. We hired a... Forrester recently, but he, he left us, and so I've got another I've got another job right here. So, any, you know any foresters? We need we need a forester on staff and, and some more help. But when we buy these sales, we then contract with the mills to sell the wood and with the loggers, tribal loggers, most of the time, and we also have road maintenance responsibilities, and so. We basically run the cash flows through our books. Uh, Warm Springs Timber Company has accounts that where when the mill revenue comes in, it sits in our accounts, and then when, when we pay loggers, it goes out of our accounts. And then we pay stumpage to forestry based upon the volume that's been moving over the course of two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. So every few weeks, uh, we're looking at outgoing and then forestry bills us for the stumpage. So there's sometimes a little bit of a lag. That revenue stream back to the tribe generally runs between two and four million dollars a year, sometimes a little more. Uh, we're, it depends on the markets. So we, we sell wood into the open markets, generally monthly, sometimes uh, two months at a time, sometimes quarterly. The markets were really high through COVID there was a lot of uh, incredibly high log prices through COVID, and over the last year or so, they've started to taper down. 
And now some people would say we're back to more of a normal level where some species are hard for us to move, some products like pulp are hard for us to get off the forest floor at a, at a profit to the tribe. So we're in the market. Right now we're not logging because the markets are down a little bit. I hope to be back in the market in September. We're talking to all sorts of mills every, every week. We, we, had a, we had a buyer out today from Malala looking at our timber. And as we're, we're wrapping up the Willow Summit sale, some of you are familiar with that sale, we're waiting on forestry to hand us the next sale. The next one's called Clackamas Meadows. And it's up in the high country, kind of on the, on the eastern flanks of Mount Hood at the summit as you head out, if you're like if you're going to government camp, just on the edge of the reservation and then down from the north end. We hope to enter that sale this, this fall. Probably by November we'll be up there. We may be logging in the snow up there. So we're reliant on, on a, a number of things to make our program work. Log prices, uh, loggers, uh, primarily local loggers, reservation tribal loggers. We do hire some off-site loggers occasionally for certain specialty uh, equipment types. And then we're relying on the mill prices. So we're trying to play the market as best we can to make the most revenue that we can for the tribe at any given time. We've also collaborated with some enterprises on some of our banking uh, because of the amount of cash flow moving and you know trying to protect the resource, trying to protect that money in the bank, FDIC insured for every dollar we have. Uh, and then we usually release monies either on a stumpage basis, and that goes back through the BIA accounts and then back to the tribe. We also release any monies, we call true-up monies, where our operating uh, costs are down. If our operating costs are less than we predicted, we release that incremental amount back to the tribe as well, and that's usually a once or twice a year release. So. Council is well aware of that and, and others. I report to a board, so we have a, a board. And so it's, a, it's pretty regimented. We have off-site CPAs working with us on the books. I'd like to think it's a well-run program. However, we always have staff needs. Thank you for listening to the Warm Springs program. I'm Liz Smith for 91.9 FM KWSO.